Okay, as you uh, came in either this past Lord's Day or tonight, you may have noticed uh, different items on the AV booth ledge. The packet that was available and is still available that talks about the book of Acts, if you want to pick up one of those, Brother David Bunting is going to be leading our study, Lord willing, come Sunday morning. So if you want one of those, uh, take one for you and for whoever else would like that. In the box where it says Wednesday night services, creatively enough, is the packet that Brother David Delk is going to be using to teach starting Wednesday. If you'd be kind enough to only take one per family at this point, and then when Sunday rolls around, there'll be more copies of that. So I'm trying not to confuse people. Thirdly, when you came in, from me, from Caleb, from uh, someone, um, you should have gotten a scrap piece of paper, or if you have a scrap piece of paper, or if you have your own device that you want to do it on, uh, we'll have a little activity at the second half of our lesson. So if you need a scrap piece of paper, um, we'll make sure you get one. Anybody need? There's right front of you. Try to get most people. Nothing magic about these pieces of paper. Okay. And then if there's any more for the same, we're going to take Okay. I appreciate David uh, Bunting leading us in our study last week. And when I planned out my schedule for what week I was going to be gone, I did not purposely choose to be gone on chapter 19 week. And that's one of those... Uh, Bible jokes that we appreciate because we know that chapter 19 is difficult material. And so I appreciate him covering that and going through. I looked at some of his notes and I appreciate the way that he framed that study. Uh, and we just, we just accept the text and we look at it and we understand it as best we can and we learn from it. Tonight what our intention is is uh, twofold, threefold. One is to wrap up with chapter 21 which is an important uh, lesson in and of itself, and it's got some applications, which leads us to the second thing that we're going to do, and that is make our applications from chapter 21, which are going to be remarkably reminiscent of the applications that we've made throughout the course of our study of the book of Judges. Because the book of Judges is cyclical, it is repetitive, uh, all those different things together. And so it's teaching us lessons that we need to be reminded of time and time again. And then we are going to do a review which will involve your scrap piece of paper and either a writing utensil, uh, hope that you have one, uh, or if you want to just do it in your head, you're welcome to do that as well. For those of you who like to put something on your refrigerator, uh, when you're done with your good work with a smiley face on it, you can, uh, you'll want a piece of paper. So you can put it on your refrigerator and look at it throughout the course of the next few weeks. All right, chapter 21. Um, we've had a really good study. We've had excellent discussion, a lot of great comments. I'm so very thankful for everything that you have shared, both uh, after, after class when we've talked uh, or in the class in the comments publicly or whatever the case may be. Chapter 21 starts with the word now. And we remarked that the last couple of chapters of the book of Judges 
perhaps uh, are best understood as to be inserted into different parts of the, of the preceding 16 chapters so that you have this kind of two, uh, an appendix and then another appendix where it talks about issues that were going on in the time of the various judges. And it says that the men of Israel had sworn, I'm reading in verse 1, an oath at Mizpah, which goes back to chapter 20, the first three verses, none of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. And the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel or one tribe uh, in Israel that is missing depending on the, the version you're reading from. So this is the problem of the missing tribe. What is going on here that's led to this? And it's, it's really already answered in the, in the previous verses. But what's the problem that we talked about last week as we were wrapping up? Kind of went crazy is a, is a good way of starting us out. There are a lot of things in the book of Judges where individuals or an individual uh, got a little out of control with their actions, with their thoughts, with their oaths, with what they swore. And that is certainly going to be the case in uh, chapters 19, 20, and 21 as well. We looked at that when we looked at Jephthah, for example, at some of the extremes that were going on there. Uh, it goes back to, as I pointed out just a few moments or so ago, chapter 20 and verse 1, uh, which reads the following. It says, All the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. So at this Mizpah location is this oath being made, this uh, this this. Uh, we are going to do this, and we don't give much thought to the consequences of what's going to happen, as, as Brother Sam talked about here. So uh, we have a number problem, a problem with numbers here. And what do I mean by that as you read the next oh, four or five verses here? What's the issue? Right. You've got males that, remember, like we've talked about in all of our Old Testament studies, going back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, which is going to be coming up, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy which we recently studied, and now uh, also here in the book of Judges, that if you are wanting to leave a legacy, it comes by way of your children. If you do not have children, you do not have a legacy. If you do not have a wife, you cannot have children, and therefore you cannot leave this legacy. All of these different things are combined in their culture that made it so that having a wife and then having children was so very important. So you have men that have wives, and what are the, what are the break down the numbers for us as we read the next few verses here. What's the, the, the numbers? Let's go ahead and read verse 4. So it was in the morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assemblies of the Lord? For they made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved 
for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for the wives, for those who remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives? So that's the problem that Nate was kind of talking about just a moment or so ago. So as you drop down to uh, about verse 9, For when the people were counted, indeed not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there. So the congregation sent out 12,000 of their most valiant men, commanded them, saying, Go strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and children. And this is the thing that you should do, utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead how many? 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. So uh, this is, is the problem solved? Let me, let me ask it that way. No, it's a partial solving of the problem, correct? Because we have here a situation where you got 400 uh, that are now going to have wives. These 400 uh, individuals in verse 12. Verse 13, the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of Rimmon and announced peace to them. Benjamin came back at that time and they gave the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead and yet he had not found enough for them. So we haven't solved the problem fully. The people grieved for Benjamin because the Lord had made a void in the tribes of Israel. Verse 15, it seems to me, is very key to chapter 21. Verse 25, or verse, yeah, verse 25 is, is key to the entire book. We'll, we'll get to verse 25. It's where we started 13 weeks earlier. But verse 15 is very important. The people grieved for Benjamin because who had made a void in the tribes of Israel? It says the Lord. So there's a couple of things that we can be said about that. Verse 16, what shall we do for wives for those who remain since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, there must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin that a tribe may not be destroyed from Israel. However, we cannot give them wives from our daughters for the children of Israel have, have made this promise. Uh, crazy is the word that uh, Sam used. Uh, we've used the word rash a couple of times. We've used the words inappropriate in terms of oath. Uh, or statements that are made. In fact, there's a yearly feast in Shiloh, verse 19, which is north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebanon. They instructed the children of Benjamin, saying, Go lie in wait in the vineyards and watch. And just when the daughters of Shiloh came out to perform their dances, they came out from the vineyards, and every man catch a wife for himself from the daughters of, of Shiloh. Then go to the land of Benjamin, and it shall be... When their fathers or their brothers come up to complain that we will say to them, be kind to them for our sakes, because we did not take a wife for any of them in the war, for it is not as though you've given the women to them at this time, making yourselves guilty of your oath. So it says the children of Benjamin did so, verse 23, took enough wives for their number from those who danced, whom they caught, and they went and returned to their inheritance, and they rebuilt the cities and dwelt in them. So the children of Israel departed from there at that time. Every man to his tribe and family went out from there, every man to his inheritance. So you still have this problem of the 200, uh, which uh, is, is then solved by this feast at Shiloh. Um, one of our other themes or threads has been following the, the rabbit holes. And there's a couple of different studies as to what feast this may have been or what feast it involved, whether it have been that of the tabernacles or whether it be that of Passover, whatever the case may be. 
I think the bigger thing here is uh, what we've talked about over the course of our study, that this is now the third, at least third, maybe fourth time that we've talked about, be careful with what you say, be careful with what you promise. And I stole this from an author who was writing on this subject. This is an extreme vow or an extreme promise or an extreme oath that a person has made or that people have made. Uh, the other thing here, uh, before we, we pause for just a second, is I wanted to go back to verse 13 where it says, The whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin and announced peace to them. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That's going to give way to an application in about five or six minutes. And that is peace or reconciliation was the goal. And the reason that these people did not experience peace so often before was because of their disobedience to the Lord and because of what is written in verse 25, which we have memorized by this point, where it says, in, there's, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes or in his own eyes. So the idea being there's no authority, there's no godly, godly uh, hierarchy, and there's no respect for God or very little. And so that's where the different deliverers or judges come in to step in, whether that be Deborah or whether that be Jephthah or whether that be Samson like we talked about two weeks ago. I want to pause there. We're going to do a little bit more with chapter 21, but I wanted to open it up for things that it may have left out. And, and it may be something that I'm going to highlight here in just a second or two. So let's go ahead and go through the rest of chapter 21. Um, we read verse 16. Uh, I didn't want it that way. I, wanted, I don't want that coming up that way. There we go. The feast and the kidnapping of the virgins. Benjamin as a tribe begins the process of restoring itself and giving itself a place. Um, and so you, you have, if you only have 11 tribes, it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't fit right. It doesn't read correctly. It doesn't, just doesn't sound right. So you have to have Benjamin because you have to have all 12 of them is, 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 seems to be part of this. And then peace again as the ultimate goal. So I think verses 13, 15, and to me 25 are probably the three really big verses that jump out to me in chapter 21 as being important. And then, of course, the theme of Judges or one of the major themes of Judges and perhaps one of the biggest takeaways that we get from our study of the book of Judges is this idea that without authority, without someone telling us, whether that be uh, a, a, a teacher, whether that be the word itself, whether that be directly from God, without that instruction, we are left to our own guesses as to what is right or wrong, and there's no standard for right and wrong. Um, and I, I often, if I'm studying with someone who maybe is skeptical about whether or not we're going to use the Bible as our source of authority, we'll ask them, how wide is this pulpit? Or, or, or I'll draw a line on a piece of paper that's maybe five or six inches, and I'll ask, how wide is this? And there are about 100 people who are here looking tonight, and you could guess the width from point A to point B of this podium or this pulpit, and we would all come up with different guesses. Uh, my guess would be probably somewhere uh, maybe five feet, eight inches. And I'm just, I'm just guessing here because uh, it's almost the length of, of, of a person. 
but you're looking at it from a different vantage point, you might guess it's six feet. Someone else might guess it's five feet nine. Someone else might guess it's five feet seven. So we're just all left to wonder. The mystery will never be solved how wide the podium is unless we get out a ruler. And with a ruler or some other device that is standardized, we can measure the width of the podium. Shane's probably got a measuring device on him right now, ready to roll. And so we figure out, oh, it's five feet, 10 and three quarters inches. I, again, I just made that up. And we can all agree on that because we have a standard with which to measure. This is the standard by which we measure. And if we can all agree on that, that makes going forward in a Bible study a little more um, acceptable and easier because we're all agreeing to the same device from which we uh, are going to figure things out. Okay, so there's a quick overview of chapter 21 in 15 minutes. I've got some applications that I wanted to make, but then I want to get into our review. But anything uh, either left over from last week, Brother John here, or that we did not cover uh, tonight, because I didn't do an exhaustive uh, overview of 21. Brother John. I just want to say that the book of Judges, if I remember, starts out with the death of Joshua. And then it said, a generation arose that did not know mm -hmm. the Lord. And we know the rest of judges and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It tells me that two people didn't do their job. Mom and dad didn't do their job teaching the children, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, the priests didn't do that. Part of their work was to teach the law and to guide the people in their spiritual lives. And they failed in their job as well. And this is what you get as a result of that. Excellent observation. And going back to Brother uh, Ryan Bain's study of Deuteronomy, is there something in Deuteronomy about parents teaching their children? Obviously there is. It's one of the key um, things that is taught uh, in, in the early part of Deuteronomy. Other thoughts on either uh, chapter 19 or 20 or 21 that we haven't brought out? All right. Uh, let's go through real quickly here uh, some applications and just uh, remember the point that John made just a moment or so ago because we're going to come back and revisit that in just a couple of moments. But uh, it just jumps out off of you uh, in chapter 21 and that is, you can see my PowerPoint is coming up the wrong way but that's okay. Number one is be careful with promises. Uh, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just speak and don't say by the temple or by this God, little g God, or, or whatever the case may be, as would have been the case with the heathen nations uh, in either Old Testament or New Testament times. Just say, this is what I'm going to do. And if a person says, well, I, I'm promising you on the grave of whatever, well... What about all the other times? Can I not trust you the other times? So we want to be able to trust people, and we certainly want people to be able to trust us as well. The ultimate goal in all things should be for peace. As much as is possible, dwell with men peaceably, as, was, as within your power. And then the third thing is without guidance from God, or godly men, or godly women, uh, we're left to do our own things, and then we will find ourselves in a position where we are separated from God. So we have tried over the course of our 13 different sessions, or 12 or 13 different sessions now, to be very clear that we are studying the book of Judges 
not merely to say we've studied the book of Judges and now we'll study it in a couple more years when we get back to that, that cycle in our study, but rather we're studying it so that we learn from it, so that it teaches us something and reminds us of something. So we've come up with about 30 applications. Granted, probably there's only really 20 some of them because there's so many that are repeated because the themes are repeated uh, throughout the text. Other big applications. This is why we study the book of Judges that you wanted to, to bring about. All right, one last time. You didn't think that I was going to, because I love the graphic. You didn't think I was going to go one last time. For those of you that have not been here, uh, we've used this graphic almost every um, class because I think it's a good one. Uh, there are things about it that you could um, say, well, that doesn't exactly fit, and, and, and that's true. We talked about how it's not just circular, it's also like a cyclone going down, 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 where things in Judges start out bad, then they get worse, and they get worse, and then they get worse, and then just it's bad. But this is a general pattern that, you know, fits with a lot of the different men and women in the book of Judges. And if you want a copy of that, you are more than welcome to ask me and I'll make sure that I get you a printout copy or I'll get you uh, the link to it off the internet because I, I stole it like everybody else would steal something these days, right? Uh, the other thing that I brought up in the very first lesson and I wanted to bring up in the last lesson was the cycles of alliteration, which is helpful with the idea of righteousness, rebellion, retribution, repentance, and rescue in that order, which also does the circle thing as well. And then if you don't like ours for some reason, tonight's lesson is also brought to you by the letter S. And so you have service to God, sin, slavery, sadness, followed by a savior. Uh, a savior not being Jesus the Christ, but being either Deborah or Ehud or Shamgar or Othniel or whoever the case may be. So that just kind of a quick review of that. All right, now we've got a smart tonight. 17 minutes left, which is enough time to do our little assignment. So on your scrap piece of paper that you get to grade yourself, right? So no one's going to see your answers. We're not going to embarrass anybody, although we will post Shane's. Uh, <laughs> he's picking on Shane tonight. Tonight's picking on Shane night. Um, we're going to ask 12 questions. So if you want to number it 1 through 12, you're welcome to do so. If you want to just uh, do it on your own. Again, no one's going to see these except you and the creator. He'll know if you got them right. Uh, if you get all 12 right, you get bonus points for this class. If you get none right, um, you must have been sleeping because some of them are slow-pitch softball questions. But just to help us out, let's do a, a general review because it's been 13 weeks. That's a long time going back to chapters 1, 2, and 3. All right. Question number one or prompt number one is who had died at the outset of the book of Judges that led to a vacuum in good godly leadership? We're looking for a name of a person. And I'll give you 10 seconds, maybe 15. All right. Uh, our second question is name the left. This is actually a two part. Name the left-handed judge and name the person that he killed. 
I didn't write down the answers, so I'm hoping I'm getting them right as I'm writing here, but if not. So name the judge, name his, um, the unlucky guy. Um, hopefully this is a fair question. Name the woman judge, who's, who's the key woman in the book of Judges. That's probably relatively easy. And who teamed up with her? Um, I should have been, who was reluctant to serve unless she served too, is another way of putting it. That was a class that David taught a few weeks ago for me. Okay, in the time that Gideon uh, was on the scene, and he was the, the judge, he was the key figure, who was the nemesis, uh, who, who, who oppressed the people, what, what country, what group of people? Okay, oh, you might need, I'll give you another 10 seconds here. All right, number, like I said, there's 12 questions. Number uh, five is, let me make it work here. How many men were eventually chosen by the Lord to assist Gideon in delivering the Lord's people? And I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Remember, it started out at 30,000, then it went to 22,000, and then it went to, I can't tell you. Okay, number six, what man was known and was infamous for killing all of his brothers with an asterisk next to all? There was a guy who went and killed all of his brothers. All right, number seven, what illegitimate child became a mighty man of valor? And I'll give you a hint. There's a connection between six and seven. That might help you a little bit. Uh, number eight, who was Manoah's son? Number, uh, you might need more time for those eight. Give me another five seconds. All right. Number nine, 10, 11, 12. Who, number nine is who's the nemesis nation of Samson? Who was, who was on the scene? Who was he fighting against? Who did he kill? What group of people? All right, number 10, last, number 10 and 11 are probably the hardest questions. 10, what's the name of the man who stole from his mother? Uh, 
give you a hint, and then he says, yeah, it was me. Number 11, what, I, we did not talk about this two weeks ago, um, but David and I discussed it uh, when we were talking about, as we talk about things almost every day. Uh, what is the likely name of the Levite who serves the people of Dan? Which would have been two weeks ago. We didn't mention it, but it is in the text. And it's, it's kind of a, almost a footnote. And, and again, I can get away with it because I said likely. Because it's, it's not 100% sure, but it's 90% sure. We'll come back to it. Starts with a letter. And last but not least, how many Benjaminite survivors were left who needed wives? Total. So, um, maybe a couple answers will work. That depends on how you interpret the question. All right. Can you get to grade your own? Uh, no one's going to see your answers unless your spouse is looking at your answers have bragging rights tonight, whatever the case may be. All right. Who had died at the outset of Judges that led to a vacuum in good godly leadership? Most people probably got that. Brother, remember I told you, listen to what Brother John said. And Brother John did not have knowledge of this little test before. So the answer is Joshua, right? Go back to Joshua, or Judges chapter 1 uh, and first couple of verses. Uh, it says, after the death of Joshua came, children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall be the first to go up against them? And then over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 verses, things go badly. And Joshua was this important leader who, uh, without him, the people were just kind of left flopping like a fish, it seems like. All right. Two-part question. Left-handed judge's name. What was his name? Ehud or Ehud, depending on how you like to pronounce it. E-H-U-D. And who did he kill? What famous person did he kill? Eglon, right? And that's, that can be a little bit confusing because they're both uh, E's. Uh, what do we know about Eglon? He was very fat. The Bible says so, right? It doesn't say he was overweight. It says he was very fat. Uh, and that was, I, I didn't get a chance to teach that particular session because that was, that was David's assignment when I was gone. Uh, I actually have a sermon that maybe I'll preach sometime uh, that deals with Ehud and Eglon. Um, okay. Uh, number three, name the woman judge. Most people probably will get that one. Deborah, right? And who was the, her teammate? Remember, he was kind of reluctant to, to serve but once Deborah says, we will do this, who is that? Barak, right? Barak, Barak, B-A-R-A-K. Very good. Um, anybody three for three? See, I see a few people three for three. Okay, good. Hopefully no one's zero for three. If you are, that's okay. Uh, you go back and read and study and, and look for these things, okay? They, these questions are all written in the order in which they appear. You probably got that. But that'll help you a little bit if you want to go back and revisit this and study it. 
All right. Uh, number four, what group of people were oppressing Israel during the time of Gideon? The Midianites, right? And remember, when we first met Gideon, when we first meet him, what activity is he doing, performing? He's threshing wheat. Where is he doing it? In a wine press to hide himself from the, from the Midianites. And then by the time you get to chapter 8, we talked about his progression in leadership, his progression in character. We talked about his progression in his boldness and just how the more we serve God, the stronger we get, the stronger we get, the more we serve God. Just a real uh, uh, thing that happens there. All right, number five. How many men were eventually chosen by the Lord to assist Gideon in delivering the Lord's people? After we went from 30,000 to 22 to... 300 mere men. And remember, that was the whole... We talked a little bit about uh, the, um, what it may have meant to lap the water versus kneeling and all those different things. Ultimately, God wanted to, as we pointed out, and we had some really good comments in that class, God wanted to point out that with a few people, he can do great things. And that's always the case with our Lord. All right. Uh, number six, who is known for killing his brothers? That's, one, that's probably a hard one, hard, harder one, a little bit harder. I hear, I, hear, I hear Micah. Abimelech, I hear. Abimelech is what I think is the answer. I didn't write down the answers, but I, I think it's Abimelech. Is it in chapter nine? Let's go back and look. Chapter nine, Abimelech. <laughs> Uh, to his mother's brother spoke of them and all the family uh, his mother's brother spoke all these words concerning hearing he's our brother and so he kills him so Abimelech would be the answer right however uh, he, does he kill all of his brothers there's one left right which is number seven who is the illegitimate child who is number seven Jephthah, who becomes this mighty man of valor. In fact, he's introduced in chapter 11 uh, as a mighty man of valor, even though it says he was the son of a harlot. So God can take people who have sordid backgrounds that are not the fault of their own or people with backgrounds that are the fault of their own and make them to be great men, great women, and, and make them just stellar. God can take average men and women like us, and we're proof of that, and make us into great warriors for his cause. All right. Uh, number eight, who was Manoah's son? Samson, right? Okay. Samson was his son. Remember the whole angel visiting and the concern that he had that they were going to die because uh, we have seen God and no one can see God and live. And, miss, and his wife says it's okay. And we talked about that four weeks ago, five weeks ago. Okay. Who did Samson fight against? And ultimately when he killed uh, all those people by pushing down the pillars, who was, where was he? What kind of people? These were the Philistines, right? The Philistines. <clears throat> One of the key enemies of God's people in the Old Testament. Uh, number 10, uh, the name of the man who stole from his mother and then says, I have them, was Micah, right? Am I right? 
And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I, cause I, did, I didn't write down the answer. I shouldn't have done that when I made the test. But Micah, right. Okay? That's chapter 17. 17, 18. Probably the hardest question, uh, and we'll give an extra 10 bonus points to everybody that gets this one. Um, what's the name of the Levite who serves the people of Dan? Probably. Anybody run across that? Probably Jonathan. Anybody get Jonathan? Or anybody know why I'm, why I'm saying Jonathan? If you look in chapter 18, again, I, I don't think on the day of... No, I might come I don't think on the day of judgment God's going to ask us who was his name. But in chapter 18, verse 30, it says, Then the children of Dan set it for themselves, the carved image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day. So the, the context seems to suggest, uh, and like I said, I, that's one of those questions that I, I remember going to David's office three weeks ago. I said, what do you think about this? And he said, let me think about that. And he thought about it. He said, it looks like it leans that way, but I wouldn't be dogmatic about it. Not, not, not the end of the world, just a bonus question. And last but not least, how many Benjaminite survivors were left who needed wives? 600, 200, depending on what, how you interpret the question. Either of those will respond well. Okay? So just kind of a fun little review. Test yourself. See how you, you've done. And um, thoughts. We've got two minutes to wrap up. And I'm, and I'm, I'm I've got a black screen now. So, well, thank you. I don't, I don't need, I appreciate that. But, um, I think the biggest thing is this is the case with, and I, and I mentioned this four weeks ago. We study the Old Testament every Wednesday night. And we've been doing that now for, well, uh, well I guess a long time, long and long, as long as I've been uh, present. And I think that's a good thing, not just for the purpose of saying, well, the elders want us to study the Old Testament, but because there are great lessons that are learned from these 39 books. And it's one of those things that I, we were, David and I were talking yesterday that sometimes you know the stories, you know the facts, you know the major characters, but you go back and reread it for the 37th time and you're like, I didn't pick up that little detail or I didn't notice that little, that little detail. And that's why we do it the way that we do it. And, that's, and I appreciate you being so receptive and being good students as you are. So if you want, um, David Delk is not here tonight, uh, but he'll be here next Wednesday, Lord willing. Uh, I would suggest just going ahead and starting reading into the book of Numbers. Uh, again, the packets are in the white box. And if you can just do one per family for now, and then Lord willing, Sunday, there'll, there'll be enough for one per individual. All right, we'll go ahead and pause there. Appreciate it so much.